Crippled Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. This episode of Disability After Dark has been sponsored by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at comeasyouare.com with coupon code AFTERDARK. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark may be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Do you want to talk with me around sex and disability on Twitter? Follow me at Andrew Gerza, that's A-N-D-R-E-W-G-U-R-Z-A, and use the hashtag Disability After Dark. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for clicking on episode 22 of Disability After Dark, the very first episode of 2017. I am so, so excited to be back doing this podcast for another year, talking about sex and disability, starting conversations around a topic that I love and care about and I'm very passionate about so much, and I'm really, really glad that you're along for the ride. So let's shine a light on sex and disability together. Today's show is going to be an interview that I recorded at the end of last year with somebody who I really have grown to admire that works in in sexuality. I put a call out on my Facebook asking for new guests and new perspectives on sexuality and disability, and I got a really interesting response from today's guest. So let me tell you all about them. Before I do that, just so you know, if I'm sounding a little bit smoky and husky, kind of sexy right now, it's because I have a cold. It's not because I'm trying to sound all deep and sexy. Although, if if that's turning you on and you like that, that's great. But I have a cold because... It's a new year, so why not get sick, right? But don't worry, in the interview, I sound a lot clearer, just so you all know. That's where the sexy voice is coming from. Enough about my sexy sickness. My guest today is Jerome Stort Nichols. He is the founder of the LTASex.com brand, the Let's Talk About Sex brand. Uh, it's He's extensive. He writes articles. He manufactures and sells a lube. He runs numerous podcasts. He is a person of color. He is a person who would describe themselves as fat and overweight. We This interview touches and spans on so many different topics. We could talk we talk about things in this interview like mental health, uh, porn, sexuality and weight. There's so many things that we discuss that relate to my experience. As a person with disabilities, well, different. Also, I felt very connected to Jerome during this interview and very, very happy to talk with him so frankly about this stuff because it's something that we don't typically hear. We don't typically want to hear from individuals dealing with mental health or dealing with weight issues when we talk about sex. And so I think that when we talked, it just, there were so many little... I was just listening to the interview again now before recording this intro 
and I was just blown away by how honest it was and how how revealing it was and how much more we need to talk about stuff around weight, stuff around mental health, and how that affects our sexualities. So I'm going to just dive right in and say here's my interview with Jerome Stuart-Nichols right now on Disability After Dark. Jerome, thanks so much for coming on Disability After Dark. How are you doing today? Very, 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 very well. How are you? <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm so, so happy to have you. We've been trying to have this interview now for <laughs> just with tech problems and disability-related issues. So both of us have been like, let's do it for about a month and a half now. We've been talking about this. But it's finally happening, so that's yeah, good. Yeah, it's super awesome. I'm so happy to have you here. So I kind of gave the audience a bit of an intro about who you are and what you do. Why don't you self-introduce yourself? Um, I am a blogger, uh, essentially. Um, I like to say that I create stuff and writing is just one of the main ways I do it. Um, I also do like uh, uh, hygienic products. Uh, I make lube and, and lip balm and things like that at getthebutters.com and I write at ltasex.com. Um, I am very outspoken uh, about people who are forgotten, but like the truly forgotten ones, the people who really can't speak. I try to be as um, vocal for them as well as myself as possible. Um, making sure to see the connections between all of us. Yeah, trying to make it a bit more human. I think connection between all of us is really important, especially when we talk about sex, mm-hmm. which is the ultimate connection, really. Um, do you think, you said you want to speak for the, the forgotten ones. Do you feel on some level then that you're, you're a forgotten one? Well, I, I, I guess forgotten may not be the best way to say that. It's not that we are forgotten, it's that we're unknown. Um, we have sort of lived in this modern world with modern problems and never known how to fix them. It's not like we forgot, you know, the, the solutions to mental health. It's not like we forgot how to live with one another. We never knew. We just kind of survived through dumb luck all of our lives. And now we're sort of getting into like that minutia of what it means to live a personalized life. Um, So for me, I'm trying to live a personalized life in a way that has not really been explored or has been shown to me in a way that I can mimic, which is the the normal way that we learn how to do things. We we, we mimic each other. True. Yeah, there's a lot of mimicry happening. Mm-hmm. in the world today, definitely, especially, again, when it comes to relationships and what we think is uh, acceptable and what we think, what we learn is, quote-unquote, okay. Um, so tell us a bit about, you know, you, when we talked in the pre-interview, you let me know when we talked on, on your show, we talked a little bit about disabilities and my disability and all my stuff. Tell me a bit about your your disabilities. Well, for me. Uh, I, I guess I could just rattle them off. Uh, I have mental health issues, one, um, which sometimes make it difficult for me to sleep. Uh, it sometimes make it difficult for me to work or get things done or I don't want to leave the house or I can't get out of bed, which um, a lot of people don't even consider to be a disability because it's only in your head. Um, I have uh, a curve in my spine, which makes it difficult. Uh, me too. To- I had oh, one. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so like it sometimes make it difficult for me to like sit upright in a chair for long periods because the place where my spine curves will start to pinch and then it'll start throbbing and then I have to lay down. So <laughs> awesome. And then um, I have like this uh, long running pain where I damaged my knee in ninth grade and it's been slowly deteriorating over my life. Um, and I've been finding that in my my late 20s, it's starting to develop a slight twinge of arthritis. And that is not not really helping keeping me moving around a lot. <laughs> Did you at least damage your knee doing something sexy? No, I was running. Boo. It was in gym class. Were you running to the shower to be with cute people? <laughs> that's I don't think there was anybody cute in this particular gym class. <laughs> But that school was a very interesting time for me. <laughs> we'll go back to Jerome's high school exploits in just a little bit. Uh, um, so tell me about how all that stuff affects your view on sexuality. Like, There's so many things you listed there that we could literally spend four hours well, doing this podcast. But I'm interested to hear about um, really all of them, how, how they affect you. <laughs> well, it, it, it makes... Things sort of like there requires a bit more comfort with people. Um, I am proud slut, and I've always really been interested in sex since I was very, very young. And not because I was abused or anything, but just because it's been something of great interest to me. Maybe not even being a part of it, uh, but looking at it, thinking about it, looking at human bodies. Like I've just been very, very curious. And in my younger, younger years, I have I, I was able to just sort of like, you know, jump in and out of bed all the time with whoever I felt like it because it was fun and I could. But the older I get, the more my mental health has, you know, uh, become a problem, the more, you know, the physical ailments have become a problem. The more simple things like anxiety and my inability to perform <laughs> under anxiety have become greater um, in, in my older years, which which has really slowed down the number of people I have sex with and yeah. forced me to uh, uh, take some new avenues, like talking to people and being human and open. What a which, surprise. Which I, I guess, you know, I love, um, see, I'm a talker. I love talking to people. That's like, people literally will be like, Andrew, don't speak anymore. I'm trying to make out with you. Stop talking. But um, <laughs> I like to, I talk too much, but I'm, I'm guessing and correct me if I'm wrong. Having mental health issues uh, makes talking not the easiest thing to do. It's it's not exactly because like say say I make a date with somebody to to fuck around and an hour later I'm riddled with anxiety and don't even want to open the door. That is so like it it, it seems rude and and if you don't understand what it is that I'm experiencing, you would think bad of me personally. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's not that I couldn't, you know, open the door and ultimately I probably would, but I'd be very, very uncomfortable. Um, and I've, I've done that plenty of times where I forced myself to go through um, the anxiety or whatever it was I was feeling and, and felt worse oh, about no. the sex I was having. Surely. So, yeah. And, and your, yeah. your hookup had like, you did, you, because, We've been so um, regimented, especially in how, for in my experience with with men, we've been so regimented in how sex is is 
perceived by two men who want to hook up that you probably don't have the chance to be like, so I do want to suck your dick, but I have some anxiety that's happening here. So could you give me five minutes? Like, that's not sexy. So It's not. Yeah. I mean, like, intimacy is sexy and honesty is sexy. But, like, when you are breaking that ice... It's 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 really hard to do in a hookup situation. Like I, I I just I have not quite figured out that formula yet. Um, I have had like in the last year a few more like, oh we're gonna fuck around, but when we actually get together, we end up just sitting there talking for a little bit first. See that and I, that I, has I, been fun. Yeah, that's been interesting and new. That's that for me is the most interesting part of actually a hookup. I, I I have no trouble getting down and sucking your dick when it calls for it, and that's fine. But I'd also like to kind of know whose dick I'm sucking before I do it. And that's understandable. Um, but I think you know that's something that in in queer male hookup culture, talking isn't isn't supposed to be sexy. That's not what we've been conditioned to believe is worth spending time on and it's it's a really it's really sad because when you start talking to the guy whose dick you're about to suck it actually can be kind of a really exciting experience for me i love (coughs) i love when i'm talking to somebody or when i'm getting ready to hook up with someone and, and they're cute or whatever but then they start talking to me and I find out that they are actually human. I love that moment of like connection because it makes me feel. Mm, it makes me feel. It, 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 it's hard to explain. It, it sort of breaks that defensive barrier between people that we normally have just like on a day to day basis. Yeah. And, and it feels much more comfortable. That alone can be enough to make me comfortable with almost anyone. Yeah, just having a, you know, having a conversation. But I think it's so hard to get to that place where you can say to the guy that came over who with the specific intent of sucking your dick, hey, do you want to stop for a minute and just talk? Like, that does, it's, we need to, I think, in queer culture, or just culture generally, when we talk about sex, we need to find a place where talking is permitted and, and like, wouldn't it be great if, if there was a porn scene with, like, Colby Keller and somebody else where literally, instead of sex, for five minutes before sex, they talk to each other like actual people did? You know what? Hold on. I want to make sure I'm not talking out of my ass. But if I'm not mistaken, Colby Keller is a Trump supporter. And I was just like, hold on. Let me make sure. The, the, yeah. pain, the pain, though, I mean, <laughs> I mean, listen, I... His I don't political... want to hear him talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. Um, uh, um, Colby supported stuff that I've done in the past. Uh, I feel I feel I felt kind of strangely weird about that thing that he posted, and I was trying to in my head. I was like, maybe it's a joke. It's gotta be a joke, right? You're kidding. No, he's he's just white, <laughs> and and like. And I, dating a white person has made me understand a lot about why people behave the way they do. I've always said that, like, people are more stupid than they are evil. 
So like that that helps me not hate people as much when they do things that you that you one would be justified in hating them for. Yeah. Um, but like it, it's also given me like this sort of like wow, really, just sort of like. <laughs> Yeah, like no. I, I know what it is, but wow! Like I, wow. I like I can't. I, I remember seeing that article pop up on like a bunch of my news feeds, and I literally went, "No, no, 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 no! This, you, this can't be. You're not. You gotta be really though, because like he and I have talked. We've done interviews together. He's generally, you know, aside from this one huge guffaw, you know, somebody who." I, in the industry, really respected, and then I saw this, and I was like, okay, I still, I still got you, but what? <laughs> Please explain. And so I wasn't really sure how to go about that, but anyway, that was a giant tangent of, please, Colby, fix your views. Um, what? No, don't fix your views. I am here to talk to him. I'm, I'm not, like, I'm not putting him away. I'm not saying anything negative about him as a person. I understand why he feels the way he feels about Trump. He is an outsider. Trump is an outsider in the political sphere. But Absolutely. but 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 you know, people money-wise is 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 the, an important thing. It, it says something to white culture. So it's it's you kind of have to get around that first is that money does not equal class or talent. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> that's that's that is, that is so true. Totally the truth. And I <laughs> I agree with you. Like I like I think that hey, if people of color want to talk to Coley about the things he said, let's talk. Like that's you should have him on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Invite him, Colby Keller, if you're listening. You come on both of our podcasts and let's talk to you about. Let's just talk. Let I want to. I want to. I want to understand. But anyway, <laughs> back to my original. Back to what my point was that if you're watching a porn and somebody just instead of like two seconds of, oh, yeah, you have a nice body, I'm going to make out with you now, and then we're going to fuck. Wouldn't it be sexy, I think for all of us introverts out there, if <laughs> instead of just fucking, we, the five minutes of, the, of us, of the porn performers talking to each other, I think yeah. would be really, is I really something missing. Yeah. It's, um, oh, God, what is, what, is the, what is the site I'm thinking of? I think it's Kink Men um, Bound Guys. Is it Bound Guys? It's it's something about men on edge. Men on edge is the one I'm thinking of because that's the one I actually watch. It's from King.com. I know they have their own issues, but they have a part in the beginning and in the end where they say what they're going to do, ask the person if they're okay with it, and then you can sort of like look at them in the eye as their like eyes are sparkling at the idea of, you know, getting tied up and edged for hours and spanked and having their ass played with and all this other shit. And I'm like, yeah, that's hot. <laughs> yeah, I know it is. I mean, I mean, and I think that's what a lot of porn is, is missing is this like real connection. And when real people have sex, I think, I think gay men have been taught to like stop the actual connecting part. And that's a real shame, I think. I, I think it's it's more than just gay men. I think it's just men in general. Like, we, we, we don't have... We don't know how. And then if some of us do know how, we're so used to living in a world with people who don't that we rarely take, like, the opportunity to Yeah. if we actually might come across somebody who actually does know. But I think with queer men, the whole, the whole hyper-vigilant masculinity thing, 
um, this idea to talk to each other has been wiped out, completely removed, because to be a sexy gay man, you're supposed to go to the gym seven days a week, and you're supposed to look a certain way, and you're supposed to be mask for mask, and I see it all the time. And so when I, I have been in situations where, as I've mentioned before on the podcast and in other places, where I, when I talk to a guy in the bedroom, they'll be like, Andrew, shut up, don't speak anything. And it's like, well, maybe I, why can't I? Like, what, what, why? Well, I mean, I, I get it. Like, when, when you're talking to people, sometimes you just want to fuck. And like, but at the same time, I, I, I understand your desire to talk. Yeah. And you should be able to talk. Yeah. But I feel like there's just some sort of like, let's 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 do this let's let's go ahead and and get started let's let's put a dick in a mouth or something i can talk to you while 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 you're licking my balls that's fine let's put a dick in your mouth or something that's gonna be my new tagline for on all my apps when i go to hook up the dude (laughs) let's put a dick in the mouth or something (laughs) so awesome um so tell me one of the things we talked about in the pre-interview and that you wrote down on on the pre-interview form that i sent you was you want to talk about weight and mm-hmm. sexuality. So I'm I'm curious about how you want to talk about that. So let's start that conversation. Well, I I guess we can talk a bit about my own personal journey as 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 far as like understanding sexiness and being fat. I I, I think I weigh like four fifty or something like that right now. I have always been big. I'm like six one. Um, and I only feel, I don't feel right unless I'm like 350 or so. I like being big. It feels right on me. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I've always found that to be sexy. It doesn't mean that I've always had sexual power in that. Um, it was one time where I did, and that was great, and I made a video about it. And then I gained weight again because I got sick, and then there was a whole bunch of depression and blah, blah, blah. And now I'm, I'm, you know, back at like my the heavier end of my weight, my my weight range, which tends to spread very far. And it's interesting to see for me that things are kind of coming back around now. I'm starting to be, oh yeah, I am sexy and I feel good. And even though I am large and I'm larger than you know my quote unquote ideal, which is larger than most people's ideal, it is still possible for me to have great sex yeah for me to feel sexy and to feel like i look sexy yeah i think that um in our culture just generally i think weight is given such a such a negative connotation and and, i mean we all know this we all know that weight's been is lauded as such a dirty bad and like you shouldn't be that big you should you know take care of yourself and i just think at some point, this narrative just needs to stop, and we need to start embracing it, and we need to start looking at it as, as just another part of the spectrum of, of the human condition, especially in terms of sexuality, something that can be seen as sexy. And I think that the more we look at different body types, for me, it's about disability. And so, for me, having a disability, you know, I have a bit of a, have a bit of a paunch. I have a little bit of a cookie pouch that I 
proudly, you know, wear when I when I look at naked pictures of myself or look at or do <laughs> photo shoots or have sex with a dude. I'm that's just part of my experience. And so I and I'll admit quite freely that when I was younger and coming up into gay culture, the idea of being somebody who being with somebody who was quote unquote fat was something that I wasn't excited by for one of two reasons. One, I was being indoctrinated by the gay culture, which told me that being, which t- tells all of us that being fat is not okay. And then for me as a disabled person who can't really move a lot by myself, my honest to goodness thought was if I'm with somebody sexually who's bigger than me and I can't move and something happens, what do I do? I was like, there was a, there was a genuine like, okay. I remember I was with this guy, I was with this guy and he was really cute and we really got along really well. He was bigger than me, quite a lot bigger than me. And I, I remember we had, had, we were having sex and I literally stopped and went, I don't know what to do if, if something happens. And I was such an, I was young and I was like 19, 20 when I said it. And I remember thinking, oh my God, you're such an asshole. Like, why would you say that? And looking back on it now, I just think, oh, Andrew, you were such a prick. Like, why? This guy's accepting of you in your chair and you can't, like, wow. So now that I've grown up and I've, I've kind of, I ha- I've, my circles have changed and my circumstances have changed and things have changed, my view on, like, different body types has completely shifted where it's like, I just want somebody who's a good person, who's, like, funny, makes me laugh, and, 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 and owns their shit. And it sounds like you are somebody who's definitely owning their stuff. I have to say that I like owning my shit. I like having my shit together. Um, those are two kind of my uh, uh, driving forces in life. <laughs> is, to, is to be as honest um, and, and wholly um, unabashedly so as possible. Um, it is, weight-wise at least, it is crucial to having been able to get to this point where I do like the way I look and I love the way it feels to be me and I like the way my body feels when I'm fucking and like it feels nice and I like being able to have my, uh, I keep wanting to say boyfriend, fiance, my husband-to-be. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I I keep forgetting. I, I say forgetting. It's not forgetting. It's just like, it's more of a, um, for tax purposes, thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really what it's about. Okay, I get it. I got you. Anything else? I got you. So I'm, uh, I'm a little. It, it just it it keeps slipping my mind. Not to say I don't love the boy, and of course I wouldn't be marrying him if I didn't think he was worthwhile. But I like I like he's smaller than me, and I like being able to fuck him and pin him down and really sort of like be a bit of a brute. I'm not much of a brute <laughs> in day-to-day life, but it's fun to do because I have that capability. I'm just quite gentle. So your your weight and your stature being that you're six one, uh, you, that sounds like it's kind of like a power thing for you. It is. It is, especially in our relationship because we have a um, full-time DS relationship. He's my human pup, um, nice. and he likes when I'm stronger than him because it's it's nice he likes to feel small it makes him feel safe that's so cute though like that's this i'm picturing like 
really intimate, gentle, like, but also rough sex all at the same time. <laughs> yes, of, of course. There's a lot of visuals going around in my head right now. Um, uh, do you feel like, in some ways, though, as this is a podcast about sex and disability, do you feel like your weight was at one time or another or is sometimes still disabling to you? Do you feel like there's yes. a correlation between, like, my experience as a disabled man and your experience as a, would you call yourself a, what, what is the term I should use here? A bigger man? I say fat. Okay. Okay, just it, want to make sure before I threw it, it out there. It's a part of that unabashedly honest thing. It's like if I if I use a code word, if I use a pseudonym, I won't get the psychological understanding. I'll get a different psychological understanding, and that's not what I want. Okay, so let me re- let me rephrase the question then for you. So, do you feel there's a correlation between disability, my experience, and your experience as a fat man? Do you do you see? Do you feel there are parallels there? God, yes. Like, I, everyone, literally everyone has the same experience where there's something different about them, no matter how minute, that puts them apart from other people. One. Two, that limits their ability to do things the way other people typically do them. Two. Or, or like, and three, it just sort of, like, makes you feel fucking uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like that is a much more common um, experience than we like to admit, even for people who are the closest to quote unquote normal on, on the on the typical spectrum. Yeah, yeah, whatever <laughs> the fuck normal means. Like that's, exactly. That's that's pretty much a question that I have. That's pretty much a conversation that I have with every guest on the show ever. Where at least one point during the hour that we talk, we ask each other, "What the fuck does normal mean again?" And we all of us come to the same conclusion: like there is no normal. Um, but yeah. The atypical, conventionally attractive, normal, sexy people like don't really have to. I mean, they do, but we don't see them having to deal with stuff. And as much as I'd like for there to be a porn where we talk to each other, I'd also love for there to be a porn that deals with the real stuff that people go through before we get to the, you know, before the fucking or during the fucking or stuff that is really happening versus like let's make a fantasy. I'd love to see some porn that represents what's really going on for somebody with chronic pain or somebody who's fat or somebody who, uh, you know, all these things. I'd like to see that because that's what real sex is all about. Exactly. That's why, like, okay, so I haven't published a ton of them yet. I think I've only published, like, three. But me and but me and my partner shoot porn together. Um, so and when are you sending things- me a private feed? <laughs> it's available on XTube, actually. Um, or... Uh, Pornhub, I think. Yeah, Pornhub. Back to my um, next question. When are you sending me a private link? <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Don't worry about it. Um, it's it, like in, in those videos, sometimes things will happen. Like one of my lifelong problems is that I get cramps. And I don't know why. It's just been a problem of mine since I was maybe in sixth grade. I'll start getting painful cramp, painful Charlie horses. Um Anywhere on my body, abdomen, thighs, calves, foot, um, sometimes even like on my shoulder if I lift it too high. Like it's weird. Um, but that in sex, when I'm being active, can flare up. Yeah. And it is awkward to like 
be like pounding away, like bouncing off his ass, like fucking the shit out of him. And then all of a sudden my leg cramps and I'm like, oh, oh, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> but it's in there. It's in the video. And it, it may not be like the, the long 20 minutes of me like getting my leg rubbed and then like slowly going back to like blowjobs or whatever. Yeah. But it is, you, you see the pause, you see the laughter, you see the awkwardness, you see um, the time Bubby fell off the bed. Uh, like, like I was, I, like I used to shoot like these semi-erotic videos that were just sort of like intimate people doing things together, like eating together or um, playing Uno. <laughs> and one of the times I had three people on my bed, it was my big ass, another girl who's just as big as me, and then her boyfriend who is a bit of a chubby chaser, and we broke my bed. Amazing, amazing. And it in the video as well. <laughs> That's so awesome. Was the video called I Broke the Bed? No, it was just something simple. It was just like, it was just like Uno and Moonlight or some shit, some artistic shit. That's but, awesome. <laughs> Uno, Uno and Moonlight. Muno? Muno? That's Muno. What I, call I it. like yeah. that. For the next, for the next installation, call it Muno. Muno. Um, <laughs> so, so I'm also curious because you are a person of color and mm-hmm. you are a fat person and you, uh, you, you know, I'm, and you're a queer person too. So all mm-hmm. of these cool identities I think are awesome. But I mm-hmm. also understand that in all of these identities, each of your identities don't fit with the other ones. Uh, right. So how, you know, and as a disabled person, somebody who uses a wheelchair and a wheelchair user, I am with CP and being super disabled and all this stuff. I fully understand how each of these identities don't align with one another. How do you feel um, your identities, you know, make up who you are and make up the work you do? And, like, I'm particularly curious about being a person of color who's a fat person and a queer person. That's Those are three identities that typically don't, I mean, they happen, obviously, because you're here. But they don't, we don't talk about them enough, so... Um, this is a long-winded question, but basically I'm asking you, like, how does all that go together for you? Well, for me, it kind of, it's interesting because I come from a world where I know a lot about disability because my grandmother was disabled almost my entire life. Um, she was in a wheelchair. Um, and then there was a my aunt... Um, who was also uh, had problems like walking. I have an aunt now who does it. I have people with diabetes. Um, My uncle just lost his foot or part of his foot, and he's having all types of health issues. So I'm I'm used to being around people who are in need of special care. So that, for me, was not something that seemed odd. However, I know that my white friends do have problems with that, and it seems odd to them because oftentimes they have resources to put their disabled family members away, right? So that that is a different experience for me. Now, I know that my white friends also tend to have the experience of being able to commiserate about mental health, and that was not something I got at all. I, I, I had a therapist, but it was like the most bare bones of 
understanding and like I didn't have any base understanding to even help myself. It it, it was basically useless to me. And I'm curious, although I appreciate my mother doing it. Was your therapist white? He was an old Jewish man who made me feel very comfortable because he had he had games. Oh nice. Uh, <laughs> I guess I guess my question about his 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 race was important only because when I did therapy and as I mentioned in a previous episode of of this podcast when I did therapy all my therapists were able-bodied. So when I would come with a big disability problem, the therapist would go, oh, I never realized that before. And you go, oh, well, fuck. What am, why am I sitting here telling you this? <laughs> if the whole session is going to be you going, oh, I never thought about that. Well, Jesus Christ, why am I here then? So, <laughs> so it's good to know that, that this, the therapist you had at least made you feel comfortable. But I can't imagine... Also being, you know, sitting there trying to tell this experience of being queer, fat, a person of color to this person that only gets kind of a tiny little sliver of understanding of it. I didn't even understand it. That's so brutal. That's so tough to, like, figure out all that stuff in front of somebody who's supposed to be guiding you who can't guide you even if they wanted to. Yes, that is something so strange. I wish there was more... um more professional helpers who would take a bit more charge with people. Our experiences are so fucking similar, but we experience them differently slightly. And there are so few people who are willing to say, this is this. And it is something simple. Like you are drinking too much because you're missing something in your life. What are you missing in your life? We know people get addicted to things when they are filling a void. out of a social circle. Yeah. Like, we know that when you get back into a social circle, it's easier for humans to get off. And we know that mice will just stop if they're around other mice again. Like, it, it's, it's, it's not hard to stop the problems we're stopping. Um, so it, it just seems so strange to me that there aren't, aren't more uh, willing people to be like, yo, let's fix this. What they need to do, and what I believe in terms of therapy and what I've said, people have heard me say this, I'll say it again. Um, they need to hire, start hiring more therapists who, and start training therapists who are people who are marginalized. Stop sending me to a white person who's able-bodied when I'm a disabled person who's queer, who wants to talk about my queerness and my disability and how all those things intersect. Send me to somebody who is, at least has some understanding of my experience and can can say, yeah, I was there too. Yep, yep. I get it totally. I felt exactly that. Instead of looking at me and going, oh, I didn't realize that you went through this. Let's, let's unpack it together so you can teach me. I don't want to teach you. You're supposed to be telling me what to do. Thank you. Like, let's not waste my hour getting you back into, like, school again because your teachers were shit. Like, yeah. let, let's not do that. Yeah, that's, not really, that's not what I want to do. Um, so do you feel as a fat queer man of color uh that you that you want more representation in mainstream culture that you want more like i love what you're doing i love how just in our brief conversation right now and when we talked previously how open you are about the fact you know your weight the number you just like threw it out there like it was cool which rarely people do so I, i think you know, having you out there doing what you're doing is really important. And would you like to see, would you like to see other people doing that? Absolutely. 
And I'll tell you one thing first. It, it, the reason why I say how much I weigh is because people look at me and think I weigh what my ideal weight is right now. So when if I were to ask somebody what I'd weigh, they say what, like 350? But no, I weigh 100 pounds more than that. And looking at me, one, you can't really tell, but two, you have an idea of what my weight, of what that number looks like, and it's not me. And there are plenty of people who weigh way less than me who look like what you're afraid of. So let's get more to the truth. It's not a number. It's an, a look that you're afraid of. And that's yeah. it. So like for, pe- for people to know the number means that they know more of the truth of my experience. They know what I see when I look at the scale. It's not a hidden shame anymore. Yeah, and I think that's so. I think that's so empowering. I mean, for me, as a disabled guy who uses a wheelchair, that's why I. That's why there are a ton of photos of me naked in my wheelchair because I want to say like, this is what it is. You're afraid of this. This scares you. This chair I'm sitting in, fucks you right up, and that's okay. And it's all right that you're a little bit afraid, but this is my reality, and I'm gonna own that. So I think that you're going out there and telling these stories and telling. You know, people that this is what my weight is and this is what my experience is and here it is. I think it's really important, not only for you as just somebody who's doing it, but I think for society as a whole. And and, and, and back to your original question um, about representation. I want more representation. Absolutely. It's It's hard for me to quantify what type of representation because I think that's more of an important question. Yeah. Is who do I want to see? Because I am capable of relating to people of all sorts. As long as they, their experience isn't myopic, which is common um, with people who are, let's say, paler in skin tone. It, it, just, it just somehow happens that their experience has less struggle, less this, less that. And the things they talk about, the things they sing about, the way they view the world is is very black and white and things are very normal and things are very unchallenged and i can't deal with that so if i were to get a fat you know latino boy or a, a fat trans desi chick or something i would be more likely to find that representation alone as being satisfactory. So in, in, in reality, I just want more voices yeah. and I want more voices that look different. And I want people to help me understand their experience so I can fucking understand mine because that's the only way it works. Yeah. I think it's totally true. I think like one of the shows that I'm hooked on right now is uh, this is us. And I, I, I like that the, the representation of the woman who's, talking about weight on there. I don't know if you've seen that show because it's really good. Everybody should watch it because it's my favorite. Plus... What's it on? Uh, NBC Tuesday Nights. Okay, so that means Hulu. <laughs> That's right, yes. <laughs> or download it illegally. Anyway, you know, whatever movie. works. Yeah. Two great things with that show. Milo Ventimiglia with... Uh, oh, fuck. It's so beautiful. I can't... I can't. Oh, God. I can't remember what movie I just saw him in, but I saw him. I, I was just like, Jesus fucking Christ. He had a beard, and he looked like a daddy now, and oh, I was just like, God beautiful. damn. I mean, he just grew into the... Anyway, so he's there. He's one part of it, and then they have 
one of the characters is dealing with weight. And what I'd like to see, this character right now is going through, uh, she wants to do stable her stomach and all these things. And I, 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 I get it. But I also would like to see a character who owns the fact that they're a bigger person, a fat person, and is comfortable with that. And I think that the trouble with representation is that everybody wants to hear the same story. Everybody wants to hear the person with a disability struggling to overcome. Everybody wants to hear the, the, the fat person struggling to lose the weight. What if you mm-hmm. just wanted to be, to be in your own skin and to see characters who were owning that? And yeah, there are struggles of being, about being disabled. I, right now I'm going through some stuff and stuff's happening to me that I'm not super pleased about. But that's part of the, it's part of the struggle. And so like... I wouldn't give up my disabled identity for anything, and it sounds like your fat identity has really shaped who you are. It's honestly, I, it's interesting that you say fat identity because I don't know that I have one. For me, fatness is entangled in my race because the phrase "big black dot dot dot" yeah is so common that it it is connected intrinsically and it you cannot separate them for me because my size taking up space in the world is so fucking political that me being allowing myself to be a fat guy to also be you know over six feet tall to be loud and boisterous and and wear bright colors and 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 and, you know have long super bright hair because i used to have um rihanna red hair like a couple years ago amazing Um, like, like, like my, me daring to do those things, which make me uncomfortable, but I know are practices that will help me feel more comfortable in my skin. Um, it, it, it's, it's too connected because the way I do that is through a black identity. I chose the red hair color because it complements my skin. Yeah. I choose my clothing be, uh, to be a bit more urban and I always have to have new clothes because that's just a part of like my, my, my blackness is like, we have to be looking sharp. Sharpness is a, it's like a, a thing. It's, it's a cultural thing, but like I do that because I'm black. Yeah. So it's so what you're saying is it's not necessarily a fat identity. It's, Everything is so enmeshed with each other. So you are, you're, uh, I guess you, I, it's, it's hard, and I don't want to label you, but if, I guess there's no way to because everything is so enmeshed, which... Please label me. It's, it's so much easier to understand that way. Well, but you I, just have to actually understand what the label means. I would label you then if I was thinking about it. I would label you like a big black boy at the end. Yes. Uh, I'm, a big, I'm a big, I say big black dude because... I'm not necessarily a boy because I am very childlike and children are more agendered, although I present very masculinely. How do you feel about masculinity in, in black male queer culture? How do you, like, I, I've seen a lot I of... I gotta be honest with you, switching from being a bottom to a top has been... <sighs> one of the most interesting times in my life <laughs> because like there's so much masculinity involved with you know fucking people and having a black dick and all this shit that it's like doing this 
after having been a bottom all my life. Mm, how do I feel about this? I still don't know. But <laughs> I'm doing it um, because it's what I want. And even before this white boy came into my life and, and threw his booty in my face, it it was something that I wanted. It was something I knew I wanted. It was actually... And what you when wanted I, was to learn to talk? Yeah, to, to switch, to be more masculine. Do you think... Now, Quote unquote. because we've talked about how everything is connected to race, mm-hmm. do, you, do you think that there's something... Because as a black person getting, you know, fucked, and again, I'm not a person of color, so I don't want to. I don't want to assume that I know this, but I'm asking you generally. Like, did you feel like there was some sort of weird moment where you wanted to switch it up and take the power back? It wasn't a moment. It was like this gradual change, and I did want to take the power not back, but I just wanted to take it yep. because I was disappointed in how other people had done it. That's a common theme in my life where I want something done one way as a service to me and then it doesn't get done right. So I learn how to do it as a service for other people better. Okay, so what you're saying is you got fucked badly in a bunch of ways and you wanted to perfect that for yourself. So you learned how to fuck others better, yeah? Yeah, essentially, like... And when I say badly, I don't mean like the dick was bad. I mean like you didn't talk to me. You didn't listen to my body. You weren't patient enough. That sort of thing. Yeah. And that goes back to, you know, the the talking during sex or before sex or getting to know people. That's, That's where that desire for me came from. And they were both sort of connected. Totally, totally. I think, I think that, uh, I think we just need to talk more. And I think like... I have never bottomed for reasons that I've mentioned before. People know why. Um, basically, because I can't. I just because I can't do a lot of the prep myself. There's a whole. I have a whole bunch of personal issues with like. Okay, what if like it hurts and what if I start bleeding and then what about my attendant care and blah, blah blah. So all these things. But like, I would do it if I wasn't presented with. If it wasn't presented to me like, hey, so can I roll you over and fuck you? Well, no. How about you like. Talk to me first, and then we'll figure. Then we'll go from there. You know what's funny about that is I think it's it's um, or not funny, but like something about that 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 I I don't think I've ever put into words in public. Um, one of the people I've dated for a long time has there have been situations where like I need to take a shower, and it was. Instead of just, like, me going away to take a shower and do whatever and then come back pristine and perfect, they would go in the bathroom with me while I did whatever I needed to do. And it was more – it was comforting, I guess. Yeah. To feel normal like that. And in my current relationship and all my relationships forward, I've tried to um, recreate a bit of that – boundaryless intimacy I, I guess I, is how I would call it um, like I, I wrote an article for LTA sex where I say you know here's why you should poop with your partner or poop in front of your partner me and my partner spend a lot of time in the bathroom together awesome. and sometimes we'll just
just be sitting on the toilet, or sometimes we'll just be sitting on the floor. Maybe we'll take a shower or a bath, or maybe we're doing our makeup. We just spent a lot of time in the bathroom together. And it's it's one of those things where, like, it's one of the ugliest times in your life. Is when you're trying to poop and everything's horrible and bad and you're, like, sweating and it's, like, spicy. And he's seen that in spicy me. Spicy shit. Yeah, we've all been there. We've all... Listen, we've all been in, the, in that place where you're, or where you're constipated and you just can't shit it. Listen. Exactly! Being a disabled person, that's happened to me all the time. And I can tell you that I would be mortified, even now, to have a partner that I might be fucking... Have to, like, And I've had partners tell me that they would be okay with that and they, we'd figure it out. And I just... Oh, no, you can't because you're not my care worker and that's not what you're supposed to do. And that, like, there are so many, there's so many roles, even in... Even when you think you're as open as you think you are, sometimes when that shit comes to you and is presented to you in a different way, it's just scary. And even as a disabled person who's doing this stuff and learning about sexuality and doing podcasts and talking about all this stuff, there's stuff that I'm just like, nope, I can't yet, I'm too scared. But I'm waiting for somebody to be like, let's try together and let's, let me show you why it's not, why it's A, okay to be scared, but B, why this is not so scary. Yes, and, I, and like for me, I am now that person who helps make people more comfortable. Um, it is as a top, one of the things you kind of just have to understand is that shit happens from time to time. Right. So, bottoms <laughs> often feel like that should never happen. And I appreciate the gusto and fervor and, and preparation that you do, but I also understand, once again, shit happens. So, like, when that happens, I don't make a fuss out of it. I won't even say anything. I'll just say, hold on. I'll go get a wipe. I'll go get a towel. I'll be like, or I'll go handle myself and I'll say, hey, you might want to go clean out. Let's go smoke a bowl in the bathroom or something. And we'll just sit there, and it'll work out, and then once we're done, we'll just go back to what we were doing. Sex with you sounds like it's kind of awesome, and also two things. Yes. Send me the links to your videos, because I want to see them. <laughs> and, and two, can you have a YouTube show? I just finished watching Insecure last night. I don't know if you have watched that show. I need to watch it. I just got HBO, so I'm going to catch up Ray is fucking phenomenal. It's such a good show. I watched all eight episodes of the first season last night in a row because it was so good. Anyway, the show is about a black woman just being, trying to deal with her shit. And mm -hmm. I think, and it's about her being awkward and strange and things are just weird. I would love to see a YouTube series of you in the bathroom with your prospective partners just having, just talking about shit. Can you please, <laughs> can you please create that for me? You know what's funny? It's not a YouTube channel, but it is a podcast. Um, yeah. be not Behind Closed Doors. But yeah, Behind Closed Doors. It's unedited. It's just me normally in the bathroom with Bubby. <laughs> so awesome. Talking I... about things, um, coughing a lot, getting distracted, um, talking about the sex we have, having fights in public, um, going through mental health. It's, it's very raw that's and it's and meant to be that way is it already is it up there have i not found out about this awesomeness yet that i haven't I, 
I, you know what? That's kind of my fault. I don't promote it that much. And it is on hiatus at, at the moment only because I have not yet published the season three episodes that I actually have finished and ready to go online because I've been super busy running a small business by myself, essentially. <laughs> I know that I know the pain. I get that. I get that pain. I understand. And I, I, but I love what it is that you do. Like I love when you and I connected, you were one of the first people, actually the first person once I put a call out and asked for people to be on the, to be on their podcast or me on it. You were the first email that I got that was like, yeah, let's do it. So I know you're busy because every time you and I, we're both, both of us are running around like crazy. But I also appreciate that you, as a, as a, as a black, fat, um, queer dude, are running your own stuff. I think there's something really, really empowering about that. And I think, I mean, it, when, I, when I just said empowering right there, it sounded like I was being totally condescending. <laughs> it's not what I mean. I just mean... It felt like it was being condescending. It didn't sound like you oh, were being Oh, did it? Well, let me say that. I didn't mean it. No, I'm really... saying it felt like that to you, not yeah. to me. Okay, good. Because, you know, what I'm saying is, like, it's such an important... Thing, which we talked earlier about representation and I think what mm-hmm. you've put out and what you put out is so it's just missing in a lot of landscapes and so I think that you the fact that you have I was going over your website this morning just to like review stuff the fact that you have so much stuff in that one little website is a huge like it's so important and so it's first of all congratulations it's awesome thank y'all so awesome um, well actually um, LTSX is Mmm, it'll be seven in February. You're gonna have a, a seventh LTA sex birthday party, right? I don't know what I'm doing. I haven't even put out the birthday sex playlist from last year yet. Like I am fucking up all of my LTA sex traditions, and I feel bad. But you know what? I'll be fine. <laughs> Everything will be good. It'll be so good. Um, there's one last thing I really quickly want to touch on that you okay. put in your thing. You talked about how you eroticizing the disabled, and mm-hmm. the so tell tell us a bit about what you want to bring to the table about that because I I could talk a lot about fetishization, but I want to hear your take on it. Okay, well for me it's like learning how to do that, how to get past the difference, the discomfort, the how does this work? What does this button do? But will it hurt if I press it sort of thing? Like, like all of that stuff. So like today, when you sent me that wonderful picture of yourself, I... I think my, was... my dick shot. Is that... Yes, yes. I, 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 my, my, my thought was, oh, okay, cool. Not, fuck, that's hot. Right. But I'm sort of when it comes to photos, I'm not a really like I'm like, oh, okay, thank you. But (laughs) it was it was interesting to see how attracted I was to your naked body, because I don't think I'd ever seen someone with or I'd actually I don't think I'd ever seen a disabled person naked to know that I would find them attractive and first of all thank you for your honesty because i don't and i think you're right we don't see a lot of naked disabled people being naked to figure out that we can eroticize the disabled and it's okay just like 
we don't see enough fat people being being eroticized positively where we could appreciate their nakedness. And I, I just like like I just think that it's unfortunate that both disabled people and fat people are we're memes, we're like horrible memes that are not funny in any way. But for some reason we can't be we can't be sexy pin up models. Like why not? So I've made a point in in my work, part of my work is half of me is naked all the time and, and part of what I do is I'll go to photographers or I'll go to people that I know want to get naked with me and say, Can we can we do some shots where I'm in my chair naked and you're straddling me or can we do like some partially because it's hot to have people mm-hmm. straddle me in my chair. P.S. Mm-hmm. In case you're all wondering, let's all do that together. Um, <laughs> but so it's also, I think, it's so important to see it in popular culture. And so my work hinges on the fact that I want you to look at the picture. And I like that when you looked at the picture that I sent you, I like that you were honest enough to admit that you weren't sure if you could find me attractive. And so I like when people get stuck in that bubble of like, <gasps> I'm not sure what to, I don't know. I'm not sure. And I like hearing that they're not sure, but they kind of like it, but they're not sure about it. That's the important narrative that I think is missing. And so when I talk about sex and disability, I will say to people, yeah, go ahead, be afraid. But while you're being afraid, I'm going to suck your dick. Is that, are you cool with that? Like, great. Cause <laughs> I just think like, you know, go ahead, be afraid. But at the end of the day, I'm going to get you off. You're going to like that. Like, so I don't think, I don't think people should be afraid of being afraid. I think what's sexier for me as a disabled person is for them to say, you know what, I am afraid, and I'm not sure what to do here. And I would say, great, now let me show you what, I, what I'm going to do, and we'll go from there. <laughs> now, I, I will say for me that, I, and this is going to be weird and probably a topic for another conversation, but like one of my disabilities um, as far as like mental health is my great level of empathy um, because it can paralyze me from making decisions. It can overwhelm me with like stimulus. Um, Like I get overwhelmed with like too many sounds or too many smells or too many people or too many things to get track, keep track of. Right. Mm. When it comes to empathy, if there's too much emotion, I have the exact same response. I freeze. So, <laughs> I consider myself a fuckling, which is somebody, which is somebody who, uh, would, and there will be a whole other episode on this. Don't worry, I'm gonna do a whole hour on why I'm fuckling and why. But basically, it's somebody who falls in love with you right away and kind of like imprints on you after we fuck, and that's it's like a baby duckling, but a fuckling. And so, <laughs> after we fuck, I'll imprint on you for like a week because I like what was happening. So basically, you're the opposite of that. We're like, whoa, it's too much. I gotta, I gotta stop. Yes, I, I, it's, it's just like, and it doesn't even have to be like sexual. Just like with anyone, if if you're having really strong emotions, and and I and we have sort of like made that emotional connection where I can sense exactly what it is you're experiencing. Oh God, it is, if it's too much, it's just too much. And how do you, um, like, having a fiancé who, you know... Has borderline personality disorder and is an alcoholic and... Or, yeah. No, yeah, he's still an alcoholic in 
AA. So he's a sober alcoholic. I was about to say he's not an alcoholic anymore. That's not true. Um, yeah. So having that, it has been difficult learning how to be in a relationship with this man. <laughs> there was a lot of stuff that we did. There was a lot of information that I just got right there. My question was, though, having a partner, you know, like that who's your fiancé, mm-hmm. where you're supposed, there's, there's an expectation that, like, as my fiancé, you're supposed to be X amount of affectionate, X amount like this, and so how do you navigate that mental health issue of, like, being having too much, too much stimuli too much empathy. How do you navigate like your need to, to turn off, and all versus being showing that intimacy? It has been. This goes back to that honesty thing, of like I have to be honest with myself about what it is that I need, um, so that I can learn to ask for what I need. Right. And in my relationship, I I I have had to come to terms with being okay with telling people exactly what it is that I want and what I need at any given point in time, which you would think would be something that you'd be more comfortable with, like in general. But if it's like, I need you to go the fuck away, it can be difficult because I still love you, but I want you to go away. Yeah. Just so you can recharge and figure shit out and be okay. Yes. I need you to stop talking. I need you to go sit in a corner, be distracted with video games. Just stop fucking talking to me. Like <laughs> we've we've all been there at some point with somebody we care about. We've all been there. And and when it comes to emotional stuff, um, he has borderline personality disorder, and one of the things with that is that he experiences mo- emotions very strongly. So when he is scared. He doesn't even have to say anything to me. I can just sort of pick up on it. And it makes me really anxious. And then it causes friction between us. Now, I can normally solve the problem, but that also means that part of that is that I have to solve it quickly and get away from that emotion so that it does not overwhelm me for my own personal safety. So you have to fix it really fast for him and then, and then shut down for yourself. Right. Because I will keep letting it in. I have to let it in to fix it. I have to let it in to understand it, but it's going to cause me to be worn out for the day. It's going to cause me to drag. It's going to cause me to not be able to work anymore because my head is so fried. That sounds super daunting and kudos for being able to manage all that stuff. It is super daunting, but it's a part of that, like, my mom is a very insightful person. And my grandmother was a very empathetic person who did things that needed to be done for people even when they were uncomfortable. Yep. Or it took a little more effort or it was this or that. And both of those people are really big influences on my life. So when it comes to being in relationships with people, I I know that with him... I have signed up to be his care person for the rest of his life. Now, maybe not his his only care person because he still goes to AA. He's still he's still in therapy, and we still have like crisis people that we can go to if anything gets really really bad. Um, but like on the day to day, I am the person who has to take care of him 
and has to absorb all of that like stress and strain. And I know that a lot of people would not do that. And in fact, I know that with him, a lot of people would just abuse him because he's so close to normal that it would be almost impossible for you to discern that he wasn't faking. Yeah. And I know that it's just sort of my responsibility. He's here now and I love him and he loves me and we work and we kind of have to keep that honesty going and we kind of have to keep that, I have to keep that responsibility going um, for the way things go. Just for the and two I'm, of you okay to work, which I mean, and that's, again, it's a huge, sounds like a huge responsibility, but it's something you, something you almost, it sounds like you uh, really enjoy taking that on and taking that challenge on. I do. I, I like being able to care for people who are difficult to love. I'm difficult to love. <laughs> I'm very, I, I'm very, um, I'm going to be a grumpy person before I'm like 35. I I just, I, I'm an oh, only just, child. Just wait, I'm 32, just wait, we'll just wait. You're only, you're, <laughs> you're still, what, you're 28? You have so much time left to let the grump develop. My <laughs> suggestion to you, don't let the jaded, angry, don't let it come on There's no it. jaded. I'm just grumpy. I'm an only child. So I want things my way and I want them when I want them just because that's what I've always known. And that doesn't mean that what I want is selfish. What I want could be for people to stop getting picked on. Or what I want is for you to fucking love yourself. What I want is for you to understand your goddamn worth because you're fucking worth something. And I get so personally invested into my desires for people as well as myself. Right. That if that's sort of like my service to the world is like not is taking not taking no for an answer when it comes to me being okay and then teaching other people how to do the same. I think that's a really cool that's it's a really that's a, first of all it's hard to teach other people how to be okay with themselves because well um, but the fact that you want to help them get there I think is important. That's what LTA sex is. That's what the butters is. That's what everything I do is, is helping people be okay with themselves. It's seeing a fat, black, slightly effeminate, awkward, um, lopsided, curved-spined, nappy-haired, three different patches of brown all over his body, dating a white guy from a poor background. Like, seeing me. So basically, when I do my intro for the podcast, I'm going to take everything you just said and just play it. (laughs) Be like, yeah! This is Jer- this is Jerome. Here's his here his bio is this. <laughs> um, but it's yeah, but I think you're right. See, like putting all that out there and telling that story in such a not necessarily a positive or negative way, just a real way. I it think is it, what it is. It is what it is, and I think there needs to be more people willing to tell their story. Whatever it is, we need more of that. We we need less polished and perfect stuff which is why i love this podcast because i don't edit anything everything you say is going to go in because that was you know that was the conversation we had so i listen to people who create content sometimes 
even stuff that I created and I go, why did I cut that? That was a, like, that was a great part. Like, you know, so I think we need more just stories. So my last question to you, Jerome, wh- what stuff do you want to shine? At? The, the, the motto of this podcast is to shine your bright light on sex and disability. So mm-hmm. what stuff around sexuality and disability do you want to shine a light on? I want to shine a light on, shine a light on, let's say, people who are mentally ill and are capable of love and being loved. That's an awesome one. I think it's such. I think talking about mental illness is so still so stigmatized, and the fact that we can that you can talk about it and be so open about your experience and there are other great people doing stuff like that um what, somebody that i'm interv- interviewing in a few weeks joellen i think her last name is joellen note mm-hmm. the re- the redhead bedhead talks she talks mm-hmm. about, about depression mm-hmm. all the time and i think the stuff she does and the stuff you do and people who can own that side of it can own invisible disabilities and talk about that stuff that's a part of the disabled spectrum we need to see more of because everybody knows or everybody thinks they know what it means to be a wheelchair user. They don't know all of it, so that's what I do. But I don't know what it means to have invisible disabilities, and I, I think we all need to learn. We all can learn from that. So I want to thank you for what it is that you do because I think it's great. And I want to thank you for what it is that you do because it gives me the opportunity to talk about things that I never get to talk about. Yay, uh, together. I feel like what I what I'm doing with LTA sex is a lot of what you're doing in your own personal way for for your own group of people. I I, I love being seen and not being seen glamorously, not being seen you know perfectly, but just sort of being seen. Just sort of be yeah, and that's I mean that's what I do. I make a point of like I am not the most glamorous, most muscular, most able-bodied disabled person out there like there are a lot of representations of disability that i really have an issue with because they look polished i am not that i'm just andrew with a big dick who wants to talk about sex and disability so i was like let's create a brand and see what happens you know what's funny my second thought after i saw your picture i was like oh nice dick (laughs) (laughs) that should always be the first thought you have oh let's well, I look at people's face first. It's like a it's like a face, and then I scroll all the way down. All right, and you had a being that my dick is so large. <laughs> yeah, right. You had to, <laughs> you had to scroll down a lot. I'm sure, right? Yeah, I had to roll the screen down a few times. That's, yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. No, no, no. It's all in all in jest. I have I have an average size penis, listeners. Um, but it is pretty. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I take pride in my pretty dick. Um, and on that note, how can our can Disability After Dark listeners contact you or find you or, or get in touch with your stuff? Uh, you can get me at ltasex.com. Uh, all the social media for that is at ltasexblog. It's, um, it's, LTASex is actually short for Let's Talk About Sex, but that's a really long uh, URL, so I shortened it to six letters. <laughs> Awesome. 
Um, and then if you want to get uh, all the other stuff I do, the butters uh, and, and everything else, you can go to JeromeStewartNichols.com. And I'm on all the social media as not Jerome Stewart. Awesome. And I'm guessing you're going to be sending me a, a sample of the butters because I'd like to try it out for you. Oh, no, no, no. Have I not sent you a sample of the butters? Uh-uh. Oh, I'm I, sorry. I sure. Gotta, I gotta, Absolutely. I got to try it out for you as a disabled dude. So let me – I'll do a, a review for you of what – first of all, visual, visualizing myself putting the butters on is going to be hilarious. So let's just have that all in our brains. <laughs> me trying to lube myself. Just with how spastic I am, it's gonna be just that's that's comedy gold right there. So, <laughs> comedy gold. Luckily, it stays where you put it. So if you shake around a bit, it'll probably still stay on your fingers. Awesome, good. Um, even more hilarious visuals <laughs> just popped into my brain right now. But you and I are gonna talk a bit more off the air because we could talk forever. But um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so glad we recorded this. Um, you're awesome, and I would love to have you back. Absolutely, and 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 I'm actually going to publish because I st- wait. Did I actually start the conversion? I think I did. I think I did. I was trying to convert our episode um, that we did for uh, "Let's Talk About Sex" into audio format because that has been a YouTube blog that I have been neglecting to feed the audio podcast feed for. Love <laughs> one. <laughs> So I, I, I decided to make yours the first back, and I don't know if I actually started – nope, never did. Okay, well, click and convert now. So awesome. I'll, be, I'll be posting that today. <laughs> awesome. I'm not sure when this – Whenever is, this is recorded. I'm not sure when this is going to air, but, uh, but I'm excited for this to go live, and I'm sure that the audience will you're – just, you're just right. You're just so much fun. So much fun. I am just it was so it was such a fun, dirty, sexy time to talk to you. It was great. I had a lots of fun. Good times, good times. Well, Jerome, thanks so much for being on Disability After Dark, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Wow. See, there was so much in that interview. We could have talked for a whole another hour. There were so many intersecting parts and so many different facets that I was so curious to hear about. I love that we touched on race. I love that we touched on weight. I love that we touched on mental health. I loved all the pieces because I think they're important and they are things in popular culture where we talk about sex that we never really connect the dots with. And I think it's time that we do that. And I also really appreciate that Jerome has his own work based around that stuff. I think it's so critical to give these voices a platform. I also love that he shared the fact that he lives with mental health issues. I think mental health for a lot of us is really hard to talk about. I live with my own stuff around situational depression, around my disability, and I know how hard that's been for me to come to terms with and to live with around my sexuality and around what that does for me. Um, and I really appreciate that Jerome has, has, was willing to talk about it. And I think we had a really frank, fun conversation. And these conversations with all the guests that I have on the show bring out something new for me and i can only hope they do the same for you thanks for listening to this episode of disability after dark the podcast shine a bright light on sex and disability if you like what you hear and want to hear more read my blogs or book me to bring sex and disability to you head over to www.andrewgerza.com
Hey, so did you like this episode of Disability After Dark and now want more? Cripple Content Creations has just the thing for you. Disability with Drew is a new podcast that explores the everyday lived experience of disability by asking one simple question. How does disability feel? Find out as new episodes are available Mondays on andrewgerza.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Subscribe today! This episode of Disability After Dark is a handmade piece of crippled content created just for you. We record, edit, and produce each piece of this show to bring disability to you in a fresh, exciting, and sexy way. Help us create more episodes and support crippled content creation by heading over to our Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash and pledge if you can. Your monthly pledge goes towards things like audio equipment, podcast hosting subscriptions, and everything we need to bring this disability-centered program to you. By pledging your support, you're showing that disability content has value, means something, and deserves a place in our media landscape. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Copyright Notice This program was created and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and the music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza Shining a bright light on sex and disability.